This is the What Now Podcast. I think for a lot of members who might be wavering or who look on the outside and they're like, that looks so much, it looks like so much more fun. I'm following all these rules, but that looks more fun. Like I've lived that life. And I tell you, I am happier now. Without a doubt, my life wasn't crumbling. It wasn't falling to the ground. Like I had a great life, but I'm happier now because all of the things that I thought made me happy, I removed those things from my life. And when I think back to it, I'm like, wait a second, I had fun then, or this made me happy, but the side effects, like the after effects, there was no happiness. This is the What Now podcast, where we discuss cultural topics related to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in a respectful and honest way, in an effort to uplift, inspire, and create positive change. I am Mary Alice Hatch, your host. Join me as I speak with celebrity stylist Callie Ann Barnett about her journey back to God and how she turned the corner from being a skeptic to being a true believer. Callie Ann shares how she has maintained her authenticity despite joining a more conservative church culture and how she left behind what she thought brought her true happiness to embrace the principles of faith, hope, and charity, leading her to being happier than she ever thought imaginable. All right, today I'm here with Callie Ann Barnett. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so happy you're joining us today. Thanks for making the time. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited to share with all of your listeners. Good, good, because they're excited to hear from you. So let's start just by you sharing a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, just so our listeners can get to know you a bit better. So I'm a wardrobe stylist and creative director. I work with predominantly athletes. And so I work with Dwayne Wade, Donovan Mitchell, Usain Bolt, and I've worked with several other athletes throughout my career. How do you get into a niche like that? I mean, how did you launch in? I'm sure there are a lot of people who want to do this. How did you get your foot in the door? So I started actually in music and entertainment. And one of the ladies I worked with, she worked with a professional athlete and it caught my attention like, you know what? These guys are larger than life. They're superstars, except for they're not dressed like superstars. You know, they're wearing these like oversized suits. And then it was like, they should be dressed like superstars. So I started working with Dwayne, which he was my first client, still is a client. And from there, it was hard to get things in their size. Like it was off the rack. I think the largest size they had was like a 52, like nothing fit. You had to customize everything. And a couple of us started working with the brands and explaining to them, like, if you build it, they'll come. They look great in clothes. They can afford designer. And as we started explaining and showing them and we had to like make full presentations and we're like, this is who this is. He's well known, uh, internationally known. And just as more people started getting into it, but also the sports industry was a little hesitant to embrace fashion too. So it just took a little time to see the value in, I guess, both of them. And we showed them that, that value. And then you worked your magic. They're looking good. I see them on your Instagram. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're doing a good job. Thanks. And you got such a fun style too. I love the pink hair. Thank you. Yeah. I've had it for three years. I used to be red before that. So I was red for about 13 years, maybe. Yeah. Mix it up. It's good. This is my softer side. It's like found Jesus got pink hair from the red. <laughs> yeah. Dialed it back. I love it. So on June 1st, you'll celebrate your two-year anniversary of your baptism. So how amazing was that day? Honestly, it was probably like top five of my life because I'm married and I have two kids. So they definitely have to fall in 
fair. But it was a chance for me to start new. I had, even before I decided to get baptized, I made some changes to my life. I quit drinking. So this was just that restart, that proclaiming, no, this is me now. Like I'm changing. I want to be better. I've found Christ. And I know that everything that I've done in the past is forgiven because I accept him and I want to be better. It was just a very refreshing moment. It was like getting a new life, like a second chance. Isn't that amazing? And we all have that opportunity. It's so awesome. So how fun that Dwayne Wade said the prayer at your baptism. It's not every day an NBA future Hall of Famer and Miami Heat All-Star prays at a baptism. What did people think when he walked in? So I asked him and at first he was like, I don't know, like, what am I going to say? And the thing about Dwayne that I'm drawn to and a lot of people are drawn to is the power in his words. And, and I wanted that one, the power in his words, but he's also, he is very spiritual and there's a connection. So I wanted that as my closing prayer. Like I wanted someone who I know is connected and has manifested his life. And I was like, I want that. So I asked him and his mom's a pastor. So she helped him write the closing prayer and it was spot on and amazing. And if anybody would have said those words, it would have still been as amazing because it just comes from the heart, came from the heart. And it was asking Heavenly Father to just be there for me and to help me and to make sure that I stay on the course. That's beautiful. Well, you also have a nice relationship. I mean, haven't you been working together for 14 or 15 years? Yeah, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a long time. You establish a relationship when you work with someone so closely like that for years. Yes, my longest running anything. Like, <laughs> long time. It's a long time. So when I look at how I even found Jesus and how I was introduced to the church, it was through a relationship with Dwayne, with Clark Miyasaki from Stance. And that was doing that a stance partnership. So he was very much involved in terms of where my life went. And because of him, I met Clark. So that's interesting. So what effect did Clark have on your interest in looking into the church? Let's talk about what piqued your initial interest in knowing about the church, which was a little unconventional, right? You wanted to know more to disprove it in a way, didn't you? Well, for starters, it was... I was out, we're all out in Turks and Caicos for a summit and everyone's drinking, having fun. And I looked at Clark and he's not drinking. And it was shocking because everyone drinks, right? And I said, hey, why aren't you drinking? He's like, well, he's part of my religion. We don't drink. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) cool. Religion, yeah. And went about my business. But as time went on and we worked closer together, got to know him. And his family. And I remember like one of the first times that I was in San Clemente, I was bringing my son down and he's like, oh, you know, just bring your son. You guys can have his birthday party here at my house. Mind you, I'd never met his wife, Cammy. I knew his kids. And I was like, okay, cool. So it was like big family, like, come on in. And I come from a very loving, big family that if we love you and our doors are always come in, there's always a plate of food. There's always a place for you to sleep. Even if it's like six of us on the bed, that's just how we are. Like there's never not enough space for anyone. So I felt that and I was just like, okay, that's very similar to how I am. And in this industry, you don't necessarily find that or connect with people like that. So it was like, okay, I like how devoted to his family he is. 
even though he's in the industry and at the top of his game, it's the focus is still on family and then staying true to who he is as a member of the church. So it was just interesting to see. And then from there, time went on and I'm just like, I really like, I was like, okay, you're so realistic and just logical. How do you believe all this stuff? And that's how it started and where he started um, telling me a little bit more about it. And I was, that sounds like crap. Um, yeah, he's like, okay, I have something for you to read. <laughs> you know, then I asked him and I'm not before, I would say two years ago, maybe a little more because I was now going on, I guess two and a half years I read the book. So I was not a fan of reading. Just, I was like, give me a movie any day. And <laughs> you know, and I can I, relate to that. Like, really? And it's books that I've read, but it's like, as a whole, I'm just not one of those people who are going to like pick up just books and start reading. And like, so my husband bought a book home and it was sitting on the couch and I just picked it up and I read the first page and it was by Paolo Coelho. It was by the river Piedra. I sat down and wept. And for some reason, the book pulled me in and I was just like, oh, I'm going to read this book. It fell in love and it's for anyone who hasn't read it, but it's just about a woman who loses her faith and a friend of hers that's a priest comes back and he's like, come with me on. He was going to this village to preach. And it's just her journey back to finding God. And that's how I saw it. I don't know. Like everyone's has seen it a little bit different, but after that, I read The Alchemist, and then I read Aleph, and then I read, uh, so I just read like four books in a row, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm on this reading thing, Clark. I'm ready to honestly argue with you why you shouldn't believe what you believe, because it's just crazy. And so did he give you a copy of the Book of Mormon? So he did. We were in Minnesota for a meeting, and he gave me the book, and he's like, I didn't get it um, engraved because and he, there was like this whole story. So he didn't end up getting it engraved. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever, because I, I don't know about being engraved. So I was like, okay, cool. The next time I came back to him, the next time we met in Minnesota, I brought it back to him. And I was like, hey, you know, get it engraved. And once it's engraved, I'll start reading. I think that was me probably like I didn't care to read it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I gave it to him. I gave it back to him and he opens it up. And there's this bookmark that I put in it from my mom. She went to Egypt that year brought back three bookmarks for me and my sisters. And she gave me one and had my name on it. So I just stuck it in the book. And he's like, so this means nothing to you? And I'm like, no, my mom gave me the bookmark. He's like, tree of life, nothing. I was like, no, he just gives me back the book. He's like, I'll engrave it another time. Just start reading, please. And so then that's when I was like, okay, cool. Let me just start reading this because clearly there's something in here. Yeah, it's go time. You had to go get the book. So at first you weren't such a fan. And then there was a part of it that stuck out to you. Wasn't there a verse in there that really jumped out at you? In Second Nephi 26? I wasn't a fan of the language in some of the phrases where they discuss skin of darkness. And it's just coupled with the fact that Black men weren't allowed to receive the priesthood. They were banned from receiving the priesthood. It was just Clark, your book is racist. And then it caused the church to do implement racist bans. So I was like just arguing with him. And every time it came up, argue with him. And at the same time, we're talking through just our lives. And he's saying why he believes and sharing his testimony. And I'm sharing things that people might think are bad, but I'm like, they're not that bad. And finally, when I share 
the final, this was like, you know, the 5%. I was like, this is the last negative thing, I think. And I woke up the next morning, though, and I had this, I guess it wouldn't be an epiphany or maybe, but I was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Religion isn't control because that's also what I've thought for so long. It's really just guidelines on what to do with your idle time. Like I know what I was doing with my idle time. And so I had that moment. And then I read Second Nephi chapter 26, verse 33, where it says, God loves everybody, black, white, bond free. And that was a turning point because up until that moment, all the language had said blackness, curse of darkness, fear, white, and they were white and delightsome. And I'm just like, wow, I'm black. So if I'm reading this, you're saying that I'm cursed. And then there's also parts where it's like, I just read this today and I remembered it where no mixing. If you mix with one of the the cursed ones, then your children are cursed too. And I'm married to a mixed man. So it's like, ah, what is this book that I'm reading? And how do you even read it and claim to be this good person? So that was my initial first experience. And then God has a way of letting you know, like, Yes, that was there, but this is what I believe. And it was, there's no disputing that the language he says, I love everybody, black, white, bond, free. And when you look at the words like cursed with the skin of darkness, the terminology, it's like when someone says, I'm feeling blue, like I'm not feeling the color blue, I'm feeling sad. So there are words, and we don't know the, context or the actual meaning that might have been used when the language was given to them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I'm just going to read the last half of that verse because it's really powerful. It says, he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him black and white, bond and free, male and female. And he remembereth the heathen and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. That is beautiful. And it's actually interesting. It's powerful because of what it says, but also because of the timing of that translation. That was 1829, which active slavery was happening in our country during that time. So when they're saying bond and free, black and white, all can come unto him. I'm not sure every religion was really preaching that from the pulpit at that time. And then this was a church for, and I remember Joseph Smith had a freed slave working for him that he treated as his own family. I mean, he treated her really well. They brought her everywhere with them and they treated her with love and respect. So I just think that of all the verses you could have picked, I think that's a really powerful verse just because of the timing at that time it was translated and also for what it says. The truth is for everyone, God does love everybody. And that video that you did with the church was so powerful. I remember watching that and I'm like, I have got to interview her. So, like, she's just, you just keep it real. I love it that you transition to a pretty conservative church culture. So how do you embrace your truth while still being true to your authentic self? Because you have this really fun style that's your signature and your look, and it's really what's helped you become successful too, right? You're unique, you're dynamic, you have this fun style, and you're in this really interesting industry. So you don't want to give up your identity to join this more conservative church than the lifestyle you're leading. So can you talk to that a little bit? I'd just be interested to know what you have to say about that. Well, I think that's the beauty of it. You don't have to give it up. Like it's not come be a member and lose your identity. It's come be a member and bring who you are. 
like bring your experiences, bring all of your gifts and talents and join us. You're one of God's children that we're gathering. We're like, we're coming together and it's not change. The change is within. God does not care about appearance. God cares about what's inside. And so it's not for us to care about, you know, how someone looks on the outside at all. Like there's, I mean, there's so many scriptures in the Bible where Jesus is with lepers and people who are disfigured and he's not caring about that. He's caring about what he can do for them and who they can be. And generally, if we're so hung up on what people look like, then we're not really focusing on the things that we're supposed to focus on. So I like to, I've always been myself. And it's funny because before I was weird. Like everyone's like, oh, Callie, you're so weird. But now when I tell people I'm a member of the church, I would just say I'm Mormon, which I know we're not supposed to say that. But <laughs> um, when I say I'm Mormon, they're like, but you're normal. And I'm like, wait a second. So it had to take me joining a weird church to become normal? Wait a second. <laughs> it like balanced itself out. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, you know, the good thing is being authentic allows others in our culture to be authentic and embrace diversity. We're united in supporting our common beliefs and doctrine, but we're also created by God as unique and different individuals. And we're given by him gifts and talents he wants us using in a meaningful way to build the kingdom of God. And we can't do it if we're all the same. Absolutely not. Like the best ideas come, people work together. The, I mean, once you start and everyone's ultimately like inside, we're the same. So these outward appearances are more because of whether it's geographics, likes and dislikes, but ultimately inside our spirits should be the same. They should be trying to be good. I mean, the great thing too, you were touching on this just a little bit is I was thinking of people that Christ hung out with. He got hassled for that a little bit. Like, why are you hanging out with the woman who got caught in adultery? He's asking, where are thine accusers? No one could really say anything. Who's without sin? I mean, he was such an advocate for the people who are the outcasts of society. And he just saw the potential and the heart of people and what they could become. And I think we can speak to this just in life in general. When you have someone who believes in you and sees your true potential, you change and you become what they see your potential to be. If you really have someone who authentically believes in you and you trust them and you support them or they support you, you can feel, you can see your potential. Even you might not be there yet, you can see that you could be there. And I think of the woman at the well who has been sleeping around with a bunch of people in the village and no one would even talk to her. And here Christ, the son of God, is sitting at the well talking to her. And she's one of the first people he told he was Jesus and he was there. And then she went off and told everyone. He trusted her to go off and tell everyone. And he sees people's potential. And I just love the turnaround you made. You just stopped drinking, turned it around, made a better life for yourself and for your family. And I'm sure that wasn't an easy transition. You're in a pretty fast-paced life. In your industry, you're in demanding work with high-profile celebrity clients. So I'm just assuming that's a pretty fast-paced life. So you might be expected to attend their events and work according to their schedule. So how do you find the balance? So when I first decided I was going to quit drinking, I remember not telling anybody because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to follow through with this. I quit drinking like back in my early 20s before. And so I was like, eh, let me just keep it to myself for a little bit. And so I slowly like told people and 
I think I also wanted to make sure that I was comfortable going out because at the end of the day, I do enjoy being social and being out. And I love to dance. Like I'm still the person who dance on the tables. Like I love to dance. So I wanted to make sure that I could still go out and have fun. And I did. And it was just as fun because if I was with people that I enjoyed, then it was enjoyable. I have people now where sometimes I'll leave a party because I'm like, oh, this is no, this is not fun. I'm not having a good time. They're like, oh, if you have a drink, you'll have fun. And I was like, no, 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 no. If I have to have a drink to have fun, that means it's not fun because I have fun without drinks. That's a good distinction. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Like if you have to add something into your body to enjoy it, then it's not that enjoyable because I have, I mean, I like go out now and I laugh. And I can stay out till four o'clock in the morning still and just have the best time. I'm usually the last person standing now because everybody's like trashed. And I'm just like, yeah. And I remember everything. And I'm like, you were doing the so-and-so. I know. Now you remember and you had the best time of all. Yeah. Well, so Clark, he's a really nice guy. He's actually friends with my husband. He's a great guy. And Stance is a great organization. And it's just interesting how you two were brought together and the timing of that. Because I just want to go back in time for a minute. When you were young, you had faith in God and Jesus, and you were a youth leader, and you're involved in your Christian life. And then life happens and your focus shifted. So when did you decide you wanted that back in your life? Was it when you met Clark and you saw the difference? When was it that trigger that you wanted that back in your life? So when I quit drinking, that was in August of 2017, that year in Miami, we had a huge hurricane. I ended up going out West and staying at the Stance Beach House. And I remember sitting by the water thinking like something's missing from my life. And I was actually going to start reading like just more into Buddhism because when I was younger, I also like studied a little Buddhism. My husband's parents are Buddhist and I've always identified more with their principles because it's not this supreme deity that you have to believe in. It's like, just do it like the principle, like do good things. Good things are going to happen. And I was like, why do I have to believe in someone if I'm just doing good? I can't believe that this super person above me is going to not allow me to have a good life just because I don't believe in it. So that's how I felt. So I was like, maybe I'll start reading more Buddhist books. And my plan wasn't to let Jesus back into my life. Like, (laughs) like I said, I picked up the book to argue, but After reading 2 Nephi, chapter 26, verse 33, the next chapter is obviously 27. And I just had this moment where I was crying uncontrollably. And I heard a voice in my head that was, you can either continue to be a skeptic or just believe. And it was as soon as I said it, I told I actually texted to Clark. And I knew, like, I was just like, okay, like, what do I have to lose? What? Nothing bad is going to happen to me because I believe. So why not? And it's just been confirmation. There were already confirmations while I was reading, but I remember telling Clark, I'm not going to get baptized ever. Like, I don't want to be a member ever. I'm just going to read several other religious texts and see if I feel the same way. Like, I guess I didn't want to be converted. (laughs) It's like, no, no one's hurting me. Was that the moment you decided you were going to stop being a skeptic and start being a believer? I still didn't want to get baptized. I was like, no, still not going to get baptized. And until, you know, God is working in us through us. The Holy Ghost is talking to us, letting us know what we need to do. And you feel like 
from reading and accepting, I started being more aligned and in tuned with what I needed out of life. So I knew that eventually, well, I said, Clark, something's missing. And he said, the Holy Ghost. And I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm ready. Aww. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you would have asked me three years ago, so you're going to believe in Jesus. And not only are you going to believe in Jesus, but you're going to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I would have laughed, laughed, laughed you away. I'm like, uh, the person's crazy. But so, <laughs> so here I am. And it's all about timing, right? I mean, maybe that was the time in your life where you were ready to make a switch. You're sitting out there looking at the ocean, evaluating your life, reading this, thinking, okay, you had the spirits clearly speak to you. Looking back at my life, like I know where the spirit was working on me. I always say I attribute it to my son and just him, my first son, Prince. So I never wanted children. I didn't want to be married. I was content with like, let's just date forever to my husband. Like I don't need to be married. I'm independent woman. I just want to travel the world and I don't want kids to bog me down. So when we got pregnant with my son and we weren't married and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's do it. He changed my life because when you have a child, you make promises to this child, just like Heavenly Father. You make promises to this child that you are going to take care of them. And you may not say it out loud, but you're going to take care of them. You're going to try to give them the best life possible. You are going to provide for them. I remember going into his room at night before I would like go on trips and I just put my hand on his back and say, you know, you're my perfect, perfect. You've changed my life. You're going to be powerful, strong. You're going to change the world. And just say these positive affirmations to him. And at some point in time, I realized, and I think this is probably similar to around the time where I decided I need to quit drinking. It was like, wait a second, I'm making these promises to my son that I'm going to be there and be the best mom and provide for him. But the decisions that I was making in my life, there's no way I could have kept those promises. If I'm out drinking and then I drive home, there's no guarantee I'm going to make it home. And I'm actually actively doing something that could cause me not to make it home to this being that I promised I would be there for and take care of. So that's where... I could feel that switch going off where it's like, okay, it was like something, okay, something needs to change. And it wasn't until I was in on my way to Mykonos that I had that like, okay, I'm making the change, but it was, I knew it was coming. And even after when I decided to quit drinking, the first thing I said, I was talking to my best friend, I'm like, I want to be perfect. <laughs> Her laughing at me saying, that's such a Callianne thing to say, you want to be perfect. And I'm like, yeah, why is that wrong? Everyone should want to be perfect, right? And she's just like, yeah, okay. And I was like, no, I want to be perfect. And it wasn't until I was reading and I realized there's only one person that we describe as perfect and that's Jesus. And so without even knowing, like I was just given the words and I was being guided back onto my path, back to Heavenly Father. And I had these lighthouses on the way that were beaconing me, to me to come back home, like Clark's a lighthouse, I mean, my son's a lighthouse, and my mom's a lighthouse. And so it's, it, you know, I just, I think that wasn't just like this, read the book, it was paying attention to the signs and then signs. And then you got led to Clark, the lighthouse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gave the Book of Mormon, which is a lighthouse. And 
I like that you're using the word lighthouse because I mean, that's what Christ symbolizes light and truth. I think that's what this is all about. So I have people now that they question, they're like, you know, how can you belong to this church? And I look at the truth of the foundation, the pillars, hope, faith, charity. That's what I know to be true. That's what I felt. That's what my heart like fell in love with. That's what softened my heart. Those simple principles. I'm an eternal optimist. The glass is always half full, even when it's empty. I'm like, it's full of empty. Like <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. It's hard to see me in a bad mood or depressed because I can usually be like, okay, it's not that bad. And I think that, so I have this faith, like just like, it's going to be okay. And Charity, like what feels better than doing something than serving another person? Like no better feeling in the world that it almost feels wrong how good you feel when you do something for someone else, like just selflessly. So I'm like, how, yes, I am a member of the church that believes in faith, hope, and charity. That's all I need to know. Yeah. And they're true principles that really do lead to real happiness. A lot of the other things are fleeting happiness, but the things that really truly bring us happiness are those principles that you just stated. And charity, I mean, it, I think that's why we're commanded to be charitable and to love one another and to you know, love your neighbor as yourself because that brings us true happiness. It feels great to help other people. And it's true, we're just as much of the benefactor as the person that we are benefiting. So I like that you said that. You know, your video was so good that you did with the church. And I love how at the end you gave this challenge, just believe and see what happens. And I just think that invitation that you gave at the end of that video and just tens of thousands of people that have seen that video, you're doing incredible missionary work and the Lord is using you in a very significant way. And all of this is culminated to you being this incredible disciple of Christ. And I'm just so impressed with what you're doing, what you're choosing to do. You didn't have to do the video for the church. You didn't have to do the interview with me, but you're choosing to do that. And you're choosing to bring hope and healing and love to other people and light into people's lives. So thank you. No, I mean, thank you. I honestly feel like I have a testimony and I'm blessed to have a testimony. And it's my responsibility to continue to share that testimony with as many people because Clark sharing his testimony with me built, that's how I was able to know the truth to come back to Heavenly Father. So I want to be able to share it with as much people as possible. And then also, especially for whether it's members, like I'm not trying to convert everybody. I think for a lot of members who might be wavering or who look on the outside and they're like, that looks so much, it looks like, so much more fun. I'm following all these rules, but that looks more fun. Like I've lived that life. And I tell you, I am happier now. Without a doubt, my life wasn't crumbling. It wasn't falling to the ground. Like I had a great life, but I'm happier now because all of the things that I thought made me happy, I removed those things from my life. And when I think back to it, I'm like, wait a second, I had fun then, or this made me happy. But the side effects, like the after effects, there was no happiness. That's a good distinction because a lot of people think the materialism, the parting, all that is what real happiness looks like. But when you clear that away and you just peel back the layers of your life into the basics and what really makes you happy, it's different. I mean, just look at 
the pandemic, what we've had to go through the past year. I don't think that me three years ago, I would have been miserable and depressed. But because I, first of all, realized how important my family was or is, like I was happy getting to spend time with them. But then also there's the happiness from within, from the God within. And by no means is everything peachy keen and perfect. And I'd like to stress that because I think people, they're like, wait a second, everything's not going great for me. I believe in God. I go to church every Sunday, but everything's not going perfect for me. After I was baptized, so June 1st, baptized, had this fantastic karaoke party until 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. I actually found out, I shared with everybody at my baptism that I was pregnant. So I was three months pregnant, went to church on Sunday, got confirmed. And Monday I'm at my office and my husband texts me and he says, I have this pain in my groin. I'm going to go to the ER or to urgent care. And I was like, okay, cool. So when he texts me later, he's like, they're sending me to do some MRIs and run a few tests. And when I speak to him, he's like, they want me to see a cancer specialist because they think it might be lymphoma. So here I am like, wait a second. I just got baptized. I made these promises with you, God. What is happening? This isn't how it's supposed to go. Things like this didn't happen to me before. And I remember like, you want to talk about doubt. I was like, did I make a mistake? What did I do? And my husband said to me, where's your God now? Which cut that hurt. It hurt because one, he's the nicest guy in the world. He does not say a single mean thing. And like, he's so stinking nice. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But also it, it was what I was thinking in my head already. So it was just like, this is exactly what I was thinking. And at that moment, I knew where my God was. He was with me. What we were going through, his potential lymphoma was going to happen regardless. That was happening. That was going to happen. The only difference is now I had Heavenly Father and my Savior with me to help me get through it. Yeah, beautifully said. And that's true. I mean, maybe that culminated to this point to give you the strength and the support that you would need to endure that trial. I 100,000% believe that. And thank God he did not have lymphoma. And we still don't even know what happened, but it was just one of those like, it was actually where most people probably, or people who have lost faith would have lost their faith. Like that was my confirmed. That was like, yes, I made the right decision. I know that Heavenly Father is with me right now Mm. and always. That's powerful. And to have that conviction at the right time where you really needed that support. Because sometimes we just need that support from a higher being. I mean, when things are totally out of our control and we're really relying on greater power to direct us and lead us and guide us. I just been through some health crises with my own daughter for six years. She had a chronic pain condition, which was totally debilitating and destroying her life. And I remember just turning it over to God at one point, like, I've done everything. I've gone to every specialist in the world. I need your help. You are the only one who can save her. And he did. And that's powerful. And sometimes we just have to turn it over to the Lord and let him take the wheel. That seems like a trite saying people say, but it's really true. And we can turn it over to him and we know he's got our back. That's a real gift to us as his children. I think it's not about these 
immediate responses or react or like the, the prayers get answered right away. We, you have to trust and it might take a little bit, but you have to show that you really trust because obviously it'd be great to be like, okay, I believe. And then it happens, but it's really believing and trusting and accepting that what is for you is for you. And you're not going to be given anything that you can't handle. And as long as you have that faith and trust that you can get through it, you can just get through it. And, and it's hard, but it, it is hard. Because sometimes you're like, but why? Why the trials? <laughs> why? But I mean, if you think about it, like it's really is a small price to pay for eternity of happiness. That is beautifully said, and we'll end on that. Thank you so much for your time today. I loved your insight. I loved your authenticity. I'm so grateful for the time you took to talk with us today. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Now podcast. Please help us create positive change by sharing this episode with family, friends, and anyone you think it might help. Just click on that share button wherever you listen to podcasts. We invite you to leave a positive rating and review. For the review to process, you just need to download the episode and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Scroll down the episodes until you see ratings and reviews and share your positive feedback. Positive ratings and written reviews really help our podcast to grow. We never say goodbye, we say what now? This has been a What Now podcast production.